Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire here to talk UFC Rochester. Our main event is Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Kevin Lee and the trio is back. I am your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper. I am back from Disney World. I'm sure everyone missed me, missed me but no more or no one did more than the analyst of Fight IQ, Chris Olsen, Joe, a.k.a. Sun Tzu, guys. I mean, I'm sure you missed me. How'd it go last week? I had a pretty good week. I had a good week. I mean, I had a good week in, in NASCAR and in, in MMA. Just I mean, crushing NASCAR these days. I won, yeah, I won one of the 30 tickets to the 50,000. And then I also won um, I won an entry into the, the $25,000 NASCAR contest, plus some assorted cash. And then um, I did okay in uh, MMA. I didn't take down anything big, but I, I ended up uh, – um, tied for a qualifier, so I'm playing a qual- I'm playing a tiebreaker this week, and then uh, about a three thousand or so in assorted cash. So I, I killed it in cash last week. I, I actually need to, to air grievances. Mostly, I mean, if we're gonna rant for a second, because I know Joe, you do sometimes, and I've 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 never been. People are gonna get annoyed at this. I've never been so annoyed to make money the last two weeks. Like I've been profitable, which is great, but if you go look, there's each of the last two weeks, there's the nut lineup, and there's a lineup that's four points off. Mm-hmm. I've the last two weeks had both of the second place lineups. Yeah, I'm, sta- I'm starting to get aggravated. Like I'm two weeks in a row, I'm four four to five points off the nut. What lineup. was so odd, Sean, is that the the nuts lineup did not take down 
the $15 last week. Very rarely do you see that. Um, it took down the dollar. And yeah. it, it was a four, four or three and a half point difference between the, the, the 622 and it was either 618 or 618 and a half. But considering all those entries and it was a pay-per-view card, it's very surprising that the optimal did not take down the 15. Yeah, I had that 618, but I didn't have it in the $15. Because uh, it was part of my 150. Well, you would have tied with what 60 people, or, yeah, it wasn't or whatever. So, it's, no, it's good, it's good money. Either way, I'm sure people are tired of hearing us complain about making about money. Winning, let's make, yeah. let's yeah. make let's make them some money this week. I mean, the variance is so high, though, it's just like when you win, you really want to win, like, like maximize your winnings, right? You know, that's the key, Chris. Anything you want to throw in here? Before well, yeah, start breaking I mean, down fights. If we could get off your humble brag for just a second. <laughs> um, I think I, I mean I didn't have quite as strong a uh, week as Joe, but I had one one really good lineup in there that uh, took down um, some money as well as my uh, MMA shootout. I believe we're calling it um, this time um, the Big Bread Apple tournament that uh, you can follow by going. To oh, the, that's right. Yeah, yeah I the first yeah. in that. This, no, but but Chris has the highest score of anyone on the contest. Highest score and. If I would have put it in um, the Iron Man tournament, I would have won that too, but I didn't because I'm a brain genius. But anyway, um, that was my week. So that's a humble a brag, bag. guys. We're, we're already getting in chat talking about humble brags. So, you know what, guys? Sometimes ah, I'm coming off vacation. I'm feeling good. So let's just let's just roll right along here to a very difficult card. Difficult in that. Not a lot of live underdogs. There are a couple, and the ones I like are pretty expensive. But before we actually jump into the fights, I would be remiss if I didn't do the intro and tell you to make sure to go to rotowire.com slash free for a 10-day free trial to all of Rotowire's premium content. No credit card required. You can catch Fight IQ on the Rotowire MMA iTunes channel. That is a replay of our live broadcast, which is Friday nights at 8 o'clock generally. For those of you who are watching us live, we've got a couple people who jumped in saying it's their first time catching us live. Welcome. Chat is fun. Talk it up in there. At the end, we'll take a hot take from the chat. I think that's enough of the intro. Let's get to the first fight of the night, and it is the most expensive fighter on the card, Julio Arce, 9,600, taking on Julian Juicy J. Arosa, 6,600. Odds on this fight, Arce minus 750, Arosa plus 600. Keeping in mind that no one on this podcast is our friend YC Lindsay from MMA Twitter, so I don't think anyone here is going to pick Julian Arosa. He's an Arosa fanboy. Sorry, I think Arosa is terrible and about to get knocked out because he has no chin and he's taking on a, a Golden Gloves boxer with 93% takedown defense. Uh, give me Arce in this one. Uh, we'll start off this week with the king of the MMA shootout. Chris, what do you got? Oh, thank you, sir. And uh, we will start off. I will say that, look, Julian Arosa, um, uh, Lindsay is going to have to explain to me, or somebody will, what he likes about him one day. But for now, I'll just say that, um, you know, he comes forward, he tries to throw big shots at you, and he leaves his chin up in the air. As Sean alluded to, that's not really um, the best recipe against a good boxer like Arce, who's going to keep his distance well. He's a pretty good counter puncher. He's got a good stinging jab, all that stuff. The only thing I would add to Julio's favor is that he's actually a pretty decent wrestler grappler. Um, we've seen that in um, his other fights. So he's, he's actually finished uh, the lesser tamer brother there with a submission. And he got a nice little uh, drop takedown on um, Marais in that, in that last fight. So I think if he wants to wrestle, he can, we know that Julio, uh, we know that uh, Julian Arosa rather is susceptible to takedown. So I just think that uh, 
uh, Arce's got the fight everywhere. That's a big price, but I think he probably pays it off. And uh, yeah, I'm going with uh, with Arce here. Joe. Yeah, so I'm finding it a little hard to get Arce in a lot of lineups simply because you could pay down and get what essentially is a free square um, in, in Luque, um, especially considering the, the change of opponent. So um, while I like Arce to win, um, you know, I am not as certain about him getting the finish. I don't think he has quite as good a finish prop um, as some of the as, as Ramos or 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 even Oliveira, uh, especially not as Luque. So while I like Arce to win, uh, the price is pretty steep, especially on a slate where you know there's not a lot of places to go for underdogs. So I don't know what his ownership is going to be. I just think it's going to be hard for me to get a lot of him in lineups. Obviously, I'll have exposure in mass entry, but, um, you know, why not pay down for the free square? So I'm going to pick our All right. Next up, we have uh, Zach Cummings. Zach Cummings. There's a Cummings and a Cummings on this card. Zach That's Cummings right. at 7,800, taking on Trevin Giles, who's the favorite. He's 8,400. Giles, minus 150. Comeback on Cummings, plus 140. Joe, who you got? Oh, man. You know, I want to take Cummings in this fight simply because, you know, there is some narrative. Obviously, you've got Giles who took a year off to go to the police academy. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I know that, you know, working as, as a full-time cop means that he's not training full-time. Um, Cummings is a professional fighter. Um, does the year off and the fact that he's probably not training full-time you know, negate some of the youth and speed advantages that he has. Cummings is tough, man. I, I don't know whether I could say that he's declined. I would have expected him in his last fight to perform better against Smith. Um, so that is maybe a bit of an outlier. Um, man. Oof. Uh, yeah, I mean, in a, on a slate where we're looking for dogs, I think I couldn't fault many people for going with Cummings. I don't think he's got that high of a ceiling. Um, but where you're looking for dogs, I think you could do worse than Cummings. I am going to pick Giles to win, but it's it's a very tentative pick based on the narrative. Um, and I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't kill you if you used Cummings um, as one of the three or so dogs that are that has some potential on this card. Chris, yeah, this, this is a weird fight to be pained over. I have to say, um, I, I think that. Um, Trevin Giles is a pretty easy pick here for me. I just think he's he's more athletic. He's a, he's a way better boxer. He's got a nice stiff jab. Uh, Cummins tends to carry his hands really low. Um, that's why he was getting marked up by um, Scott Holtzman in that fight. He basically had Smith. his eyes shut. Um, Smith. Wasn't it Smith? Uh, Smith, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, Trevor Smith. Um, I, I think that uh, the problem here, too, with Cummins is that um, – he doesn't really go for takedowns all that often. And in fact, um, you know, Giles has, has more takedowns o over the last number of fights. He has got two fights. I think he got five in that Kyle Boschniak fight. So um, if he wants to go for takedowns, I think that would probably be fine too. Um, but I just think he's going to be able to piece him up on the feet here. I don't know if he's going to be able to stop him um, because Cummings is a tough dude. But um, I don't really see – I don't – no, if, if you mentioned uh, specifically, Joe, I don't really see any real advantage for Cummings here. Um, he's just sort of a slow, he's just sort of a slow kickboxer. 
who um, can wrestle and grapple occasionally, although doesn't really do it that much. So it's hard to really like him here. Um, I think Giles is probably going to take a lopsided decision, if not a finish. So I'm going to pick Giles here. All right. Next up, we have Patrick Cummins, 8,800, taking on Ed Herman at 7,400 odds on this fight. Cummins is a minus 240 favorite. That's right. Patrick Cummings in the UFC is a minus 240 favorite. Whew. Ed Herman plus 220. Well, that's why it's fighting. he's fighting Ed Herman. I will say for me, before I kick this one over to Chris, it pains me to say it, but Cummins has hurt a lot. Herman's plus 220. He's got a decent inside the distance prop for his price range. I'm going to have probably over the field Ed Herman just because if he's going to win, it's going to be a first-round finish. That being said, I think Cummins, the most likely thing to happen is take him down and lay on him because that's what Cummins does and that's what happens to Herman. But when you're looking for – it's a theme on this card that I think it's important to to look at. It's not just who we're picking to win fights. It's MMA. There's variance, is, especially in cards like this where there's not a lot of dogs. It's what dogs can score well should they win the fight. And I think the only way Herman wins this fight is knocking out Cummins early. So I'm going to have some of them in GPPs, but Cummins is my pick. What, what say you, king of the shootout? Um, well, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I think about everything. I do think that um, Herman's worth the shot. He basically just wades forward and and um, throws big hooks, and he's got a lot of power. And, I mean, that's worth something to a guy that gets hurt a lot. Occasionally he'll throw a jab that um, sort of looks like it knows where it wants to go. So, um, But, I mean, the problem is he just he's just so straight up, and he just has no defense whatsoever. Now, coming besides the wrestling, um, his his main um, mode of, of of striking on the feet is just to sort of duck under duck under a shot, roll roll under, and come back up. And it's not much, but I think it probably gets it done on the feet in this fight. I think um, Herman's just so slow that I can I can see coming just roll underneath and come back up with that counter shot. And the big hooks can um, leave him open to takedowns as well. So um, yeah, I, I can't pick at Herman here. I I. I think it's justifiable um, just for the the logic of one guy gets hurt, one guy throws big and um, hard, and if he connects, he might he might uh, he might get a knockout. But um, yeah, uh, the pick has to be Cummings. Joe, yeah, Cummings uh, purely because he has a higher floor with his wrestling. Um, I don't really love this fight. I don't understand why it was made. It makes very little sense to me. Um, unless the UFC is just saying, you know, here's your last hurrah. You know, um, there's a barista job for you back at Starbucks. Um, I don't, you know, I don't get it. Um, I will pick. I mean, Cummings can take a lot of abuse, which is, I guess, a positive trait. Um, so I don't know that I see him getting starched, but um, I could certainly see him winning it, losing a decision. But just just because of the floor, I'll take Cummings. But I don't expect to be highly exposed to this fight. See, I actually have a fair amount of exposure to this fight, but different strokes. Anyway, we'll get there. To I, I think we differ in some other places. Mike Trezano, eighty three hundred, taking on. I almost called him Garrett. It's Grant Dawson at seventy nine hundred. Trezano is he still the favorite? He is. Whoa, this line. Line flip. Woohoo! Not even a little line flip. Wow, I thought this was hovering around Pickham. Uh, Grant Dawson is now. Let me get back to the right page. Grant Dawson 
is now minus 145 on five dimes, 152 in some places. Come back on Trezano, plus 135. So here's your chalk, Grant Dawson. Um, yeah, it's one of the dogs I liked all week. I'm actually kind of sad he's going to be chalk now. That's a little upsetting, but chalk I'm going to eat. Joe? Yeah, I mean, as much as it pains me because Mike Trezano is my homeboy, um, before the uh, before the season at top, I actually picked him to win. Um, you know, he trains one town over from me. Uh, he's from Ramsey, New Jersey. He's part of the Tiger Shulman stable. You know, Jimmy Rivera, Shane Burgos, um, Uriah Hall. Um, you know, I it pains me. I just, you know, he finds a way to win these close decisions. And I could certainly see that happening here. Uh, it's just I'm finding, you know, I don't love – a lot of underdogs other than one we're going to talk about later. Um, so there's line value here. So I expect them to be fairly highly owned, um, Dawson. So I am going to, with great trepidation and disappointment in myself, um, you know, pick uh, Dawson over the lone wolf, Mike Trezano. Chris. Yeah. Um, I, well, Dawson is obviously going to be very highly owned. Number one, as you said, as you guys both said, and as it's going to be a, a recurring theme as we talk, it's going to be hard to find dogs. And number two, I, I mean, a really dedicated, relentless wrestler at that price is really going to draw some eyes. Um, so obviously, I would never fault anybody for picking Dawson. I'm going to have some Dawson too. But as far as a pick goes, I see Trezano winning this fight. And the reason oh. is because... Um, I think that while Dawson is a is a committed wrestler, he's not really a good control grappler, and I think that's gonna I think that's gonna hurt him. I think that ready for um, this, Chris? Ready? I'm yeah. gonna jump in and agree with you. All uh, right. Something I wanted to, to mention earlier is that while I'm picking Dawson as well, and he's very chalky, his last fight was against DeRosa, and he did not look great. He had some ring rust in that one; hadn't been in the cage in a while, but he left himself in some precarious spots that. You know, Trezano can snatch a sub. He leaves his neck in some of the places he was doing against Arosa. Like Arosa didn't have a bad first round against Grant, Grant Dawson. I, I forgot to mention that in the open. Is everyone's on him, but he didn't. He didn't look spectacular against Juicy J. Go no, ahead, sorry. he didn't. And in fact, um, at, at, at portions of that fight, um, Arosa was actually having success just by coming forward and um, sort of wearing on what looked to be at that point a a, a sort of tired Dawson. Um, from all the wrestling, and I think Trezano um, keeps distance well. He has good leg kicks, which I mean, we saw we saw Arosa actually knock down uh, Dawson with a with a leg kick. I don't think he got credited with a knockdown, but he fell as a result. We know how you know sticky those scoring can be, so that's neither here nor there. So, but I think that um, Trezano is 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 a more put together fighter overall. We saw him stuff takedowns in that Luis Pena fight. Now, of course. Um, not the same level of wrestler. I'll probably grant you that. Um, but he, he was he was showing good fundamental defense. Um, I just think he's the more put-together fighter. I don't know if a finish materializes out of that, although I think it could. But um, I, somebody just criticized us for saying, for saying both sides. But I don't know if I'm actually going to say both sides here. I might say um, I, I understand the dog play. But I think Trezano might have enough to win, which is why I'm going to be not as heavy on it as I would be ordinarily in this spot on this specific card. All right. Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts, 8,900, taking on Michelle Pereira at 7,300. Hot Chocolate is now a minus 240 favorite. 
Pereira, my, plus 220. Pereira's the guy who does backflips to try and pass guard. Doesn't like to be hit. Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts. Chin issues looked okay. Like seemed to hold up okay in a war last time out against um, Claudio Silva. I, I don't. I don't. Don't really know why Pereira's getting a fight in the UFC. Can, can someone answer that for me? Um, Danny Roberts all day as long as the chin holds up, Chris. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Uh, the, the other thing about about Roberts too is that we've seen him really progress as a wrestler and scrambler. Uh, maybe not as a wrestler so much, but he has gone for some takedowns. But as a scrambler, uh, as we saw in his last fight, I think um, uh, he really does some good work. I, Danny Roberts just kind of irritates me because I always feel like in these fights where he should be the clearly better striker, he tends to disappoint. Um, we saw that in his fight against, um, oh, who was, the, who was the prospect that he just fought recently? Uh, David Zawada, where... Um, I thought he was basically going to be the much better striker in that fight. Turned out he had to win that fight by wrestling and grappling. So, um, you know, Roberts is, is a guy who can who can definitely disappoint you, but um, I just don't see a lot in Pereira that I like. Um, I think he gets backed up easily. I think Roberts should be the much faster fighter here. Um, so I have to take him, uh, but it's with trepidation, maybe because he just let me down so much in the past. But um, I do think he's the more versatile fighter. He's the quicker fighter, um, the more polished fighter. So the pick is Roberts. Joe? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think probably someone, you know, sent Dana White the link to the Pereira's video, you know, to show his flips. Um, you know, even in some of his wins over guys that he should have dominated, he's taken much too long, in my opinion, to finish them off. Um, this was the only real, um, the only real, uh, the only real fight where we had like during the stare down where there was a little bit of pushing and shoving. So the guy is obviously a character. Um, you know, I, I'm gonna pick Danny Roberts. He's more technical as long as he doesn't, you know, play Pereira's game. He should be able to win this fight quite easily. Doesn't always have the highest fight IQ though, so. It's possible. So I was deleting a comment or trying to delete a comment. Anyway. I got it. Don't worry. Desmond Green, 9,500, taking on, I don't know, somebody's name I, I really probably should learn. Oh, yeah, it's Charles Jordan. Who cares? Um, Des Green, minus 750. Jordan, plus 600. Uh, I, I don't care about this fight pretty much at all. Um, Desmond Green, aside from knocking out Ross Pearson, doesn't, score well, but I don't think Jordan is very good, and there's so many pay-up options. Does Des Green interest you, Joe? Um, hmm. Not really. I mean, um, obviously there's recency bias. I don't know that finishing Ross Pearson is, is you know, that much of a big star on your on your CV um, uh, in the UFC. Uh this Jordan guy is pretty dangerous on his feet. I think it's probably going to be a, a decision. Um, I think there is better value um, at price points around Des Green, although you know he will be home. This is a fight that he actually wanted. I mean, not so much an opponent, but he wanted to fight on the Rochester card. Um, apparently, I think he wrestled in Buffalo, um, which is very close to Rochester. Um, so, yeah, I'll pick Danny Green to win. I don't know that I like him for a finish here, though. Um, and I think there's probably better value around him. Chris? 
Yeah, uh, Desmond Green. Danny Green is um, on the Toronto. Oh, sorry, Raiders. Danny Green is uh, a basketball <laughs> player. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I like Desmond here too. I um not quite sure about the, the finish this time. If you remember, um, I don't think I was alone to be fair, although I'm not sure which of you agreed with me now, but I did call for a Desmond green finish, um, against Ross Pearson in that fight, just because I thought that, um, Joe Pearson, agreed with you. It wasn't me. Pearson tends to overextend. Oh, there you go. Well, that's right. I didn't want to give you, credit. I, 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 I can admit it wasn't me. All right. Fair enough. Um, just because I thought that he would be open for the counter punching. I did like, um, to see Desmond Green get to his wrestling early in that fight, um, I think that is a, that is a good um, that's a good sign for you if you wanted to do like a contrarian payup for Desmond because I think the opponent here has some real real trouble uh, defending takedowns. Opponent here basically just likes to stalk forward and sort of wing big shots at you and um, do um, you know crazy things. He's got a spinning back fist knockout uh, on the resume there. I just think. Um, and Desmond Green will be able to impose his will here. I think he'll be able to get takedowns whenever he wants them. And I think the counter shots will be open again. So um, I think um, like there, there are a lot of spots to pay up for here. So it's, it's hard to say, you know, absolutely pay up for Desmond Green after, the, after a one finish showing. But look, with all the competition, I mean, on a normal card, people probably wouldn't pay up this much for Desmond Green. On a card like this, they probably won't pay up for him at all. So I do think the opponent is – has a lot of holes in his game that can be exploited. So look, if you're looking for that contrarian payup, it's Desmond Green. Otherwise, I would pass this. But the pick is Desmond Green. Yeah, I want to bring up something regarding that in a minute. Why don't we talk about Davi Hamush and Austin Hubbard? But before that, it's Aspen Ladd at 9,100 taking on Sajara Eubanks at 7,100. I think this is one of the more interesting spots in the car that has been people have been talking about, and I think you're going to have to get this one this one right, at least how to play it. Aspen Ladd is minus 315. Sajara Eubanks is plus 285. These two fought two years ago. Ladd won a unanimous decision. I think the line, though, I think the line's a little too wide. 7,100 in this at that price range. Sajara's my favorite play down there. I do think she's improved. I still straight up would pick Ladd. It's similar to what I mentioned earlier. Who could break the slate or who could end up on the optimal? And if all these favorites we're picking are winning, Dawson is a dog, but he's 7,900. If Eubanks puts up 30 to 40 in a loss and all the other favorites win, she could end up on the optimal lineup. So that and her improvement, I think she's in play, but I'm still picking Ladd to win. We're really reaching this week, but it's the way you have to look at things for DFS. Chris, how are you playing this one? Yeah. Um, again, I understand it. You know, I mean, she's a big, big and strong, um, you know, she, she likes to, um, Impose, she's tried to impose her will a little bit more, I, I should say, and, and maybe that's part of what you're referring to. Um, I also think that she throws in combination a little bit more than she did in their first fight. But, you know, I, the, my problem here is I, I didn't see that first fight as all that close. Um, I think Aspen Ladd just likes to get in, her, get in your face. She's going to use that superior boxing. She's going to be a lot faster than Sarge is. Um, she's got good straight punches. And um, like she can get a takedown or two herself, as she did in that fight. I mean... The only time Sarge was having success in that fight was initiating some scrambles. But even then, you know, she wasn't dominating. Aspen Ladd was holding her own there with a good active guard. Um, so, yeah, I, I haven't seen enough improvement in Zajara Eubanks to confidently say that this fight will be different. Um, 
I again I understand. I mean, this is not this is not the most um this is not the most exciting card for decisive takes. I get it. Sorry guys, but um understand if if we're looking for dogs, I, I can understand the play with her jujitsu accolades and power and what have you. I don't think she's improved enough as a striker. I think um, this fight pretty much goes the same way with Lad pressuring her and using her superior striking, and I'll take Lad for a decision victory. Joe? Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, hang on one second. Sorry. So, guys, this podcast is brought to you by – Sorry, guys. My uh, Twitter. Make <laughs> sure and follow me on Twitter at the, at the, the DF Sniper. <laughs> so um i think people are making a big deal of the fact that um the only fight that lad hasn't won by finish um was against eubanks um although i i didn't see any point in time when that fight was in doubt and i'll say i am so impressed like lad is such a soft-spoken person the ferocity that she exhibits inside of the octagon is quite amazing to me i mean i in no way thought that she would be able to handle Tanya Evinger like that. Evinger was a, a had a fairly significant run as as bantamweight um, champ and in Invicta, and she was just handled by Aspen Ladd. And Aspen Ladd looked really good um, weigh-ins, um, really solid, bricked up. Um, I get the seven point one k, and I think that Eubanks has got a fairly solid floor. Um, I would be fairly surprised though if uh, she could finish her in any in any manner. Um, so then it comes down to a decision. I still like Lad here, but I understand playing Eubanks. All right. So I guess I guess everyone kind of agrees on this one. Odd. Uh, Davi Hamosh, 9,200, taking on Austin Hubbard at 7,000. Odds in this fight, Davi Hamosh is minus 440. The comeback on Hubbard is plus 390. So here's what's interesting, what I wanted to foreshadow earlier. I'm picking Hamosh, he is – in that GPP range, I think everyone's going to be hammering on of, of Luque, um, Hamosh, and Dubronx Oliveira. When comparing it to Desmond Green, what's interesting, if you wanted to play some Green in GPP, is that I think that Hamosh is better than Green, but Hubbard, what I see of him as a prospect, I think he's a decent prospect. I think he's much better than, than Charles Jordan. I think he has some tools here. Um, so it's one of those, yeah, Hamosh is probably a little better than Green, but his opponent's also, I think, better. So and mo- everyone's going to be on those three I just mentioned. No one's going to be on Green. Just a GPP thought. I don't think I'm going that route, but because I like that Davi Hamosh so much, it's just, again, trying to explore all, all angles for you guys. Uh, Joe, how do you have this fight? Yeah, I, I'm not sure I understand the matchmaking here. I mean... Um, right, Hubbard's a good prospect, and you're feeding him to the wolves. Uh, I, I just think that... I mean, I, I think that Hamos um, deserves a, a more established opponent here. Um, pretty good inside the distance prop here. Um, what, 9.2K, right? Um, I like him. I mean, I think he's a must-use. you got to figure out a way uh, to get him in your lineups. Um, you're going to have to be very creative if you want to get him and Luke in your lineups. Um, it's not impossible, but you do need to be creative and make a stand somewhere. Um, I'm going to pick Hamos, I think, quite easily. Chris, I almost said Joe again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like Hamos too here. I think um, 
I, I love the fact that um, he's rounding out um, a, as a fighter. I think his striking has come a long way. I think that even in, even in, in that fight, like a guy like Chris Kuchmacher, who was just pressuring, pressuring, pressuring him, he found ways around the pressure. Um, I don't think Austin Hubbard is a bad prospect. I just think that um, I just think that the way uh, Hamosh has been looking for takedowns in his fights, um, that he's going to get one and and um, eventually just going to sub him out. Like um, I, I do really think it's that straightforward here. I just I just think that um, I understand, of course. Again, the um, the tendency that we need to look for dogs, but I think there are better spots here. I think Hamosh is better everywhere, and um, I think he takes it. All right. Next up, we have Charles Dubronx Oliveira, ninety three hundred, taking on Nick Lentz at sixty nine hundred. I everyone knows how I feel about Nick Lentz. If you listen to any podcast, if you don't, um, I dislike him very much. And we'll leave it there. Oliveira's minus 335. Lentz is plus 305. Chris, break this one down. Yeah, so this is one where, like, I couldn't really fault you that hard if you went a little bit for Lentz. I think that his striking has improved somewhat uh, since the last time these guys fought. Incidentally, um, if people aren't uh, aware, this is actually (laughs) – a weird trilogy fight. Um, it is a trilogy fight. It just one one is a no Oliveira, contest. Charles Oliveira won the first. Uh, uh, the I think I forget the order, but one was a Charles Oliveira sub win. One was a no contest by a knee, and now here we are um, for the third one. The first fight, I think they've both improved the strikers. The first fight, um, Oliveira was basically just looking for the clinch um, to guillotine him the entire time. Now, um, in his defense, he eventually got it. So I think um, we can't really fault him too much. But, I mean, I think Nick Lentz has been able to incorporate his, his kickboxing to make him sort of a more relentless sort of wrestle grappler, which I like. Um, I do think he can get takedowns here. But the problem is that Charles Oliveira has also improved as a striker. Um, he's much better at um, coming forward and um, dictating the fight. So whoever wins the pressure battle... It's going to be really interesting here. My guess is that it'll be Oliveira, but I wouldn't count out Nick Lentz to have um, spots in this fight where um, he's he's sort of dictating. Um, so I think ultimately what I have to do is because as much as Nick Lentz is a is a um, grappler himself, I mean against better grapplers he basically always loses. Uh, we see that um, time and time again. Most recently we saw it in. Um, was it the Islam Makachev fight? Was that it? Um, I don't remember. All right. I I'll, legitimately um, don't remember his last fight. Uh, it wasn't his last one. It was, um, uh, yes, Islam Makachev. Oh, it was, it was actually a, a little while ago now. Yeah, but um, in, in, either, in, in any case, um, basically what I see happening here, but, um, you know, he's scrappy and, he, and um, he comes forward and he looks for his takedown. So at 6,900, I guess you can do a little worse, but the the pick is uh, Charles Oliver. Joe. Uh, Joe is um, uh, talk. You're I, muted, Joe. I'm muted. There you go. I can see okay. Mick Maynard, Sean Shelby, and Dana White like just sitting around, like like passing around a spliff and just giggling and saying, "Yeah, let's do a Nick Lenz Dubronx Oliveira tri- trilogy fight." Because the first two can fight fights were so freaking compelling. What everybody wants to see is a trilogy. 
I I don't get it. I mean, I don't know if someone lost a bet. Um, it's an interesting. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, Lens looked a lot better um, than he has in a while against Holtzman. Um, but I still don't understand, like, why? Like, is it a punishment? Is like, did Dubron sleep with somebody's wife or girlfriend? If anybody deserves a top ten opponent, it's him. So, like, why is he having a trilogy fight against Lens? And why does anybody think this fight's going to end up any differently? Um, I have all of I have uh, Dubronx by submission, although um, you know Lens might have enough to make it last a round or two. But I still think the outcome is preordained. So Oliveira by decision. All right, let's move on to Vicente Luque, ninety four hundred now taking on somebody whose first name I legitimately don't know. Is it Derek Kranz? I think it's Derek Kranz. Derek D Rock D Rock sixty five hundred. Um, minus nine seventy five for Luke. Comeback on Kranz is plus seven seven five. I I don't usually do this. I I so I do MMA content lots of places. I'm gonna give you an insight into um, something I wrote somewhere else, and it basically uh-huh. it basically goes with uh, Vicente Luque is legit. Derek Kranz is a regional prospect, um, a regional headliner prospect, and as long. As Luke, who is the real deal, is on his game, it is totally appropriate for you to turn to your friends that you have watching this card if they're not diehard UFC fans and ask them, "Hey, you want to see a, you want to see a dead body? You should watch the TV because Derek Krantz might actually he's not really going to die, but he he's <laughs> likely to get knocked the you know what out as long as Luke is focused, which. Short notice replacement. We've seen crazier things, but ninety four hundred minus nine seventy five. Uh, yeah, play Vicente Luque. Uh, who we're up to for this one? I think Chris. Uh, yeah. Well, boy, oh boy. Um, right. Please don't overanalyze. I follow that one. I um, I I think that um, it's interesting that Derek Krantz is, is is such a um such a veteran. Uh, he's got thirty three fights under his belt. Um. But, you know, um, five of those losses are by sub. Um, Luque could easily do that. Um, he's going to be much faster. He just throws in combination. Uh, Krantz is, is like a very slow sort of counterpunching um, kickboxer, and, and that's just not going to do it here. Um, I, I think that um, if, you need, if you're going to beat a guy like Luque, uh, you, you need to have, like, some kind of tools or um, – I mean, Krantz has some power. So, I mean, I guess he could land a shot, as anybody can. But that's pretty much all I'm seeing here. I think Luque ha- is better everywhere. Um, I-, I think um, Krantz is way more is way too, um, way too willing to be backed up, and I think that spells death in a fight like this. So, yeah, I go, I'm going Luque by knockout as well. Go. Free square, Luque. Love the analysis. Let's move on. We have... Oh, it, it is. It's this time. Megan Anderson, 8,500, taking on Felicia Spencer at 7,700. Let everybody get on your comments and in chat. We are up to the women's fight that, shockingly, everyone is talking about. Um, Megan Anderson up to minus 200. Felicia Spencer plus 185. Interesting. Fight doesn't go to decision for a women's fight is minus 165. Always something you like to look at. For tournaments, 
I'm going to kick this one off just with a few quick points. The line has gone up further after Anderson towered over Spencer at weigh-ins. We've seen it before. As I, as I suggested early this week in Twitter. Yeah. But same thing happened with Holly Holm. Holly Holm took down Megan Anderson a ton in that fight. Felicia Spencer's strength is her grappling. Megan Anderson, though, much better striker, physically stronger. I will say that while Holly Holm controlled Megan Anderson, obviously, for three rounds, what I found interesting going back is that she went to the ground game because Megan Anderson hit her a few times in the opening segments of that fight, and you can almost see Holm go, no, not doing this. The path of the least resistance, which obviously you cannot falter for taking, and dominated Megan Anderson. Hopefully Anderson has shored up that hole. You would think she's worked on her takedown game. And we'll see what happens. If she stays at range, I think she destroys Spencer. If she hasn't fixed it, I think Spencer wins. This is one of those fights that, as Chad is suggesting, I will be playing both sides of. And they'll be down to a pick. I'm going to take Anderson in this one. Joe, however, I know is on the opposite side. So, Joe, take it away. Okay, so I can honestly say this is probably the only fight where I've seen every fight uh, of both fighters, watched every fight of both fighters. Um, if I'm being completely honest, um, you know, Megan Anderson is one of the few natural 145ers. I mean, I actually got into a con uh, conversation with her nutritionist and, you know, he said um, her physiology makes it virtually impossible for her to cut to 135. Where do you so, find all these people, Joe? I, yeah, I, I love, I like women's fights. So anyway, so she's a true 145er. And with that said, um, she's been training at the same gym for nearly four years. Um, I have not seen, going back to her getting choked out by Cindy Dandois, I'm sorry, yeah, by Cindy Dandois, I've not seen a whole lot of, I've seen improvement in her striking, which was interesting because she was more of a power brawler. She's gotten a little bit more technical. I have seen very little improvement in her wrestling and her grappling. So, for those of you that say, oh, wow, I, I bet she improved by leaps and bounds since Holly Home fight. Barring a camp change, I, I would be very, very surprised if that happened. Point one. Uh, point two. Felicia, Felicia Spencer is a black belt in BJJ, a black belt in Muay Thai, and a far better wrestler. Now, where, where's the critique on, on her? Okay. Okay. She's only had six fights, but I, I believe she's had some amateur fights as well. The critique on Spencer is that she is not technical in how she gets her takedowns. Like she's not shooting for a double leg, you know, or single leg. She is grinding you up against the fence and just dra trying to drag you down. And that is a valid criticism. However, um, Megan Henderson is quite easy to get taken down. And I'm happy with the rinse and repeat. Um, I love her plus 185. I'm picking her to win the fight. Um, I love Megan Anderson, too. I just do not think, unlike our good friend Automatic, um, I do not think that this is a great stylistic matchup for Megan Anderson. Um, you know, a wrestler-grappler with a black belt in BJJ, a black belt in Muay Thai, um, going up against pretty much a pure striker. Um, so, anyway, Felicia Spencer, we're looking for dogs. Um, I am going to have some shares of Megan um, because our good friend, my... Uh, Kyle Marley thinks that Megan is going to be way low owned. Um, I don't know if that's going to be true, but um, I will have shares of her in mass entry GPPs, but I do like Spencer for the win. I think her ownership goes up based on this line move. Yeah, it yeah, yeah, to. absolutely. Anyway, uh, 
I guess we'll let Chris go. Chris. Yeah. I mean, all right. let Chris go. Um, I mean, it's a women's fight. We just need Joe's opinion. We can go, I mean, right? No, uh, no that's not. Well, go ahead, Chris. I'll, I'll make it quick. I mean, I mean to say that um, if she keeps the fight at range, I, there basically is no keeping the fight at range against Felicia Spencer. All she's yeah. going to do is walk forward and um, and uh, try to get into the takedowns. Now, the height of Megan Anderson is, is what I think people are, are going to gravitate to, those who do like her, because obviously that's good, um, not just for head kicks, but for striking in general. Um, but also, uh, the trade-off there is, as Joe alluded, taller fighters are easier to take down. They have they have um, lower um, uh, higher center of gravity. Yep, uh, and um, we saw Megan Anderson. Now you can argue that a lot of those a lot of those takedowns for Holly Holm were strength takedowns because they weren't very technical. But um, I think uh, Spencer is plenty strong enough if it comes to that. And um, I like her trip takedowns against the fence. I, I think there's some there's some technique there. Um, I think if you are betting on Megan Anderson here, what you have to hope is that. She, she can stop. Um, it's like literally stop. Uh, stop Spencer before um, she gets this fight to the ground. The thing about Spencer is she is relentless. Even if she gets tired in fight, even if she's losing certain portions of the fight, she doesn't stop coming. So um, phrasing, boom. Huh? Nothing. Okay. Nothing. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll play it back. I didn't. I, hear I said phrasing. Okay. Okay. What are we not if doing? It, if any. Oh, look, he watches Archer. Yeah, he Good does, job. He does. I'm, I'm very proud of you. <laughs> um, anyway, we can, we'll, we'll talk Archer later. But the, the point here, I think, is that um, I just have to – I will make the point in chat that this is a very reminiscent of uh, Antonina Shevchenko versus um, versus um, Roxy Matafari, and there is uh, some element of that for sure. I do think it's binary in the sense that either, either um, Spencer gets her takedowns or um, – uh, Megan wins it on the feet uh, for that reason and looking for dogs. I think in that sort of fight where it's it's either one or the other, I think going for the less expensive fighter is probably the good play, especially when the less expensive fighter can get a, get the fight to where she can absolutely dominate it. I mean, Holly Holm was basically getting to any position she wanted once Megan Anderson was on the ground. I don't think you sure are polls like that in six months or a year or however long it's been. So, um, uh, um, granting that Megan Anderson could knock her out, I just don't see. Um, I just don't see her dealing with the relentless pressure of Spencer. I think eventually she gets a takedown and uh, wins the fight. So I'm going Spencer. All right, co-main event time: Antonio Carlos Jr. 8700 taking on Ian Heinrich at 7500. Odds on this one: ACJ is minus 170 now. Heinish plus 160. Heinish is very popular. I, for years, have been calling ACJ a future champ. Um, I still feel that way. He has got great BJJ for the weight class. He is massive for the weight class. He did tough Brazil heavyweight. I know they blow up a heavyweight, but he's a big, big dude for 185. I know he lost to Dan Kelly. He literally punched himself out. I don't think he'll make that mistake anymore. Um, Heinish, good prospect. I just... What is Heinrich going to do here? He could outlast Carlos Jr., but to score big on DraftKings, is he really going to knock out ACJ? Is he really going to take him down and submit him? Heinrich is a live dog. I just don't know if his ceiling is as high as people think. I am, and I said it in the open, very partial to Antonio Carlos Jr. He is by far my favorite play in this fight, but I will have some of Heinrich because I do think he's a good prospect who is live in this fight. I just... 
I'll be underway because I think he's going to be a little popular. Uh, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I guess he's live too. He showed me more than I thought he would against um, Fajaya. Uh, he um, came forward a lot in that fight, really tried to blitz him with strikes. My, my main problems are that when he comes forward, he sort of swings wildly. And ACJ, for all his ground accolades, I think he's a pretty underrated boxer. I think he's got pretty good counter-striking. We saw that in the Jack Marshman fight for as long as that was on the feet. Um, and I think that he can be taken down very easily. Not only that, but I think he's very accepting of grappling exchanges where he shouldn't be. He actually um, uh, tried to tried to jump for a, a, a guillotine in that fight. Now, to his credit, he actually scrambled his way into a pretty deep arm bar. I don't see that happening against a guy like uh, Carlos Jr. I think that Carlos Jr. has way too many advantages here. I understand the um, temptation to go with Heinish here because Carlos Jr., when you first see him on the feet, he keeps his hands low and he sticks his chin up. And so you say, okay, um, a guy like Heinish can just swarm him and take him out. But again, I think that um, he uses head movement a little better than some might expect. I think he's a better counterpuncher than some might expect. And I think that Heinish is too willing to accept the grapple. And you put all that together, and I think ACJ wins this by submission. Joe? Yeah, so you need to tell Sean later tonight when you do your other pod, you got to tell El Jefe to let, to let the Dan Kelly loss go. I mean, you know, you're right. He gassed out, right? He beat the living crap out of Dan Kelly and just essentially gassed out. I mean, you know, to, to, to let him live that, and, and, you know, that that is going to restrict his career is a bit asinine. So he needs to let that go. Um, one of the best narratives I heard on this fight was that, you know, considering Heinish's time in prison, he should be able to defend um, anything coming from the rear. That was funny. Which I thought was hilarious. Um, I'll have a couple of shares of Heinish, um, but I like Carlos Jr. here. Um, do we know why he was off, why he's been off for a year? I, I can't recall. Sean, he, he had he I, had some I, injury. Okay, yeah, that's right. He had an injury. Okay. I can't remember what it was though. But yeah, I definitely think you know. Look, here's a guy who's fought at heavyweight before. You know, he's pretty bricked up at middleweight. He's obviously got BJJ skills. You know, uh, various titles. I'm gonna go with Carlos Jr. I'm not sure what my ownership is gonna be, but I'm gonna go with Carlos Jr. here, and uh, I'll have a few shares of Heinish. But let's not go overboard. All right, next up, we have our main event. It is Rafael Dos Anjos, 8,200, taking on Kevin Lee at 8,000. Minus 105 apiece on five dimes right now. Straight up pick him. Eileen Kevin Lee, really close fight. I think stack it in cash. I think everyone's going to stack it in cash. Eileen Lee. Joe, start us off. Yeah, I mean, I'm leaning Lee as well. Lee looked pretty good in um, at weigh-ins. Uh you know, my concern is that, look, Dos Anjos has, at the very least, survived against far better wrestlers than than Kevin Lee. To um, call it surviving, sure. Well, yeah, okay. So, yeah, that I guess that's what I'm saying. So, we know that he could be taken down. We know that he gets back up. You know, um, I was, I think the, I, I literally saw the air go out of Lee when Al, I think this was the turning point of the fight. When Al Ayakinta broke the body lock. And how often do you see that happen? When anybody who's got a modicum of skill gets their opponent in a body lock, that is so incredibly hard to break. And Ayakina breaks the body lock, the air goes out of Lee, starts gassing. He is susceptible to getting hit on the feet. 
he gets rocked in almost every fight. I mean, you know, he dominated Barbosa and got rocked. Um, so would it surprise me if he got hit by Dos Anjos? No. But, you know, for his entry into welterweight, this is a pretty good fight for him because Dos Anjos is not a large welterweight either. So I could certainly see Lee having a significant size advantage. We know he's got a reach advantage. Um, you know, I wouldn't shock me if he was 190 going into this fight because I think he walks around at 190 or heavier. So I think, uh, you know, come fight time, he's going to have a significant size advantage. Uh, as long as his cardio holds, I like Lee either by decision or perhaps a late finish as both fighters, you know, start to get a little tired. Maybe he catches Dos Anjos. Um, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Kevin Lee here. Chris, take us home. Yeah. Um, I think you have to go Kevin Lee here, and I, I don't think it's that close. I mean, we've seen we've seen uh, RDA have trouble with wrestlers forever, especially strong ones. Um, I don't I don't think that changes here. Um, the mistake I made in the in the Barboza fight, I actually picked Barboza in that fight because I, I felt like okay, Kevin Lee um, stands and tries to box too much, it's going to hurt him. He didn't. He went right in for those takedowns and, and never never let up. So we know that he can change his style based on the opponent. Um, I think he's going to do that here. I think RDA has gotten a little better dealing with takedowns, but it just hasn't been enough. I think he's good in the clinch. Um, he's obviously a good combination puncher, but he's just too he's just too willing to be backed up. And you, you just can't do that against these big, strong wrestlers. Now, if you think that Lee can, like, be broken or whatever, but you got to remember he's moving up now too. So, I mean, maybe how tired he was at the end of the Iaquinta fight, maybe we don't see that now. Um, I, I, like, it, would it shock me entirely if, um, if he was, if, um, RDA was able to stay on his feet? I don't know. Like I, I was going to say, I was going to say no, but like, maybe it would just because we, I mean, it's, this hasn't been like one or two guys. It's literally every wrestler he fights, uh, does it to him. So I, I can't pick RDA here. I think Lee is a pretty short sure thing barring some kind of knockout. As Joe said, Lee does get hurt sometimes, but I mean, RDA, we haven't really seen him be a big puncher up at 170 either. So I, I, I think I think RDA, that limits him even further. And if you haven't guessed, uh, my pretty confident pick is Kevin Lee. All right, guys. It is time for hot takes. I just asked for him in chat. What is our hot takes for UFC Rochester? Well, I'm going to give you my hot take. I mean, last week I gave you um, Araujo at, you know, at serious plus money against uh, – a very suspect Tatialia Bernardo. Um, earlier in the week, it would not have been a hot take at at, at essentially plus at par or at plus one hundred, but now at plus one eighty five, it's more of a hot take. Um, I'm going to say Spencer wins a fairly easy and obvious decision against uh, Megan Anderson here at at plus at serious at nice plus money, maybe even two to one. Um, I will bet this um, again. At two to one, if it does come out, um, so I'm going to do that. Um, I am going to give you, since that's not a super hot take, I'm going to give you my parlay. Um, I'm parlaying Spencer. I'm parlaying Ramos inside the distance and Luque inside the distance uh, with Spencer. So I'm doing that as a parlay. So that's my bet, and my hot take is to bet Spencer straight up. All right, I, I'm, I got one there. There's a couple. The way I'm building my lineups isn't actually conducive for this hot take because I think someone will break it, but I do think it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. So that's why I'm going with it. You'll understand what it is when I announce that I think 
The winning GPP lineup this week goes five and one. I like it. So I'm building my lineups that someone's going to pull it off, whether it's Harmon or 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 Sajara. But I just I think it's it's totally out there that five and one takes it down, and you need all the hundred point scores and the and the best losing fighter. So like that's that. my hot take, uh, Chris. Yeah, let's have some fun here, especially since Joe already has uh, Spencer. I'm going to say that Nick Lentz is the highest scoring dog on this card. Wow. Nice. And we're going to go with chat. we got a couple of people who agree. One of them, it should be no surprise, Eubanks wins inside the distance. Automatic! And Ryan Barton. And Ryan Barton's going to – I'll let him – he's chiming in. We'll give him a second one. He's calling – Heinish inside the distance, which um, get that out of here, please. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't want, uh, I don't want Sean to go into a tailspin. So I hope that doesn't. No, I don't want me into a tailspin. But that's what we got for UFC Rochester. Make sure to go to RotoWire.com/slash/free ten-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, I believe. RotoWire MMA is where you can find the podcast after the fact. We record live on the YouTube channel for RotoWire MMA Friday nights at eight o'clock. Join us next time. I do think we have a week off next week. Correct. Yeah, sound we bite, Sean. We do have a week off before. Switch. Sweden. And uh, one contest I want to point out is, um, you know, there is a uh, contest for uh, fight uh, 239 tickets on DraftKings. So it's a, a VIP contest. It's two tickets, uh, VIP tickets for 239 in Las Vegas during fight week, plus two grand for airfare and incidentals. So uh, it's a nine entry limit. Um, I don't know if this is a one-shot deal or if this is going to be a recurring contest, like if they're going to be looking to fill a, a suite um, and they, they offer this again. But um, that is a real interesting contest. Um, I, as you can imagine, will max this out um, to see if I could – I don't know if I'm going to Vegas otherwise for fight week, but that's my – those are my two sound bites. A week off, Sweden, contest for VIP tickets and, and incidentals for 239 Cool. Uh, Chris, anything before, before we head out? Uh, no, except um, good luck, everybody, in the MMA shootout. Good luck, everybody, trying to break my record. Oh, uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, best of luck. And um, enjoy the fights, guys. Uh, a couple interesting ones here. So uh, everybody enjoy. Take it easy, guys. See you in two weeks. Yes. Later. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.